0: How's everyone doing this morning? Doing well? All right. Praise God for spring break, right? I will choose to praise the Lord in every season. March came in like a lion and went out like a lion, didn't it? Uh, praise God for that. And I also know that our pastoral staff needs some help with free throw shooting. That's all I'm saying. I think between Tannen and Charlie are one for seven, under pressure. We're going to spend some time in the gym this week, which wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> we opened up last week going through the book of Habakkuk, and it's a hard book. It's a real book. It's, it's where we live uh, sometimes. We find ourselves in the middle of hard stuff, real hard stuff, where it's okay to ask questions with God, to spend time with God and lament. We talked about lamenting last week, and Habakkuk saw all these horrible things happening to his people and his world And he cried out to God and asked questions. And God said, I'm going to do something in your midst that you wouldn't believe it, basically. And then you'll be utterly amazed. So he sends in this other country that's evil and says, I'm going to run this country through your country, God's people. And they're going to take your possessions. They're going to live in your houses. And they're going to kill your people. And it wasn't what Habakkuk wanted. And so he had to rest in faith that God knew what he was doing. So God responded that way. So Habakkuk has a chance to regroup, and now he has to rethink it, and sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of the story, but if we know what happens at the end of our story, it gives us perspective. We need an eternal perspective to hold on in hard times. It's like a husband and wife going to watch a movie where the husband has already seen the movie. You go to the movie theater, and it's, uh, maybe it's a chick flick, and and. and you're there watching the movie and he knows how it ends and you're in the middle of a scene where the dog dies and the relationship goes south and someone runs away and you as the wife are sitting there and you're bawling, you're crying and you can't handle it because in the middle of this movie, you almost feel like, I don't know if I can hold on any longer because this is too hard. And you look over your husband who's already seen the movie, he's eating Twizzlers and he's smiling at you like, and you're like, what up with you? Like, and he's like, great movie, isn't it? And you're like, no, I'm in the middle of this thing and it's horrible. Well, he has a different perspective than she has because he knows how it ends. And when you know how it ends, you can have a different perspective when you're in the middle of it. The truth is, we do know how it ends. In Habakkuk, this book is reminding us to look down the road to know that it will end differently than what it feels like right now. We need an eternal perspective. So he jumps in. To his second round of questions, we would say laments to God. Okay, I asked these questions, and, and, and they were hard, and you gave me hard answers. And So he comes back again, but this time he comes in a different way. Grab your Bibles and turn to Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 12 of Habakkuk 1 through 2 and verse 5. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up and turn to Habakkuk uh, in the Old Testament. It's near the end of the Old Testament in the middle of your Bible. And we're going to read Habakkuk 1, 12 through 2, 5. Would you please stand with me as we read uh, God's word today? Habakkuk 1, verses 12 through chapter 2, verse 5. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Lord, are you not from everlasting, my God, my Holy One? You will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when, the, while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves, you have made people like fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler? The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet, for by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation waits in appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest, because he is as greedy as the grave, and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. You may have a seat. As we walk through this account of a real man, a prophet, lamenting to God and asking questions because things aren't like he would want them to be, we must remember who God is when life doesn't make sense. It's in these kinds of seasons when we lament with God and question, give him questions, that our theology is tested. Do we believe that God is sovereign? Like, do you really believe that in times when it doesn't make sense, when You're watching your child do things that you would never want them. When you're handed news from the doctor, when you don't get the the first position, when you don't get the job, when your finances go south and you've been doing the right things, tithing and giving, when when people are angry at you and you're just loving Jesus, like when do we believe that God is sovereign during it? It's during these kinds of times when when our faith is tested and we don't understand. That our theology is tested. Do we believe that God really will and can turn things out for good? Do we believe in God more than the circumstances around us? Habakkuk just had a new set of questions that he's asking God. And short and sweet is this. How can you use such corrupt people who are even worse than Israel's corrupt behavior, to bring justice. Like, how can you take something that's more evil to what the evil that you see and allow evil to trump evil to plan your will for our lives? But look how he addresses him this time. His questions are different. He reminds God of his character. So he's coming after God this time. He says, God, this is who I know you are. This is what I learned in Sunday school. This is what I learned in small group. This is what I learned in my private time. This is what I learned in theology 101. This is what I learned in doctrine class in college. This is what I learned in dudes in doctrine. This is what I learned studying with women at the electric brew. This is what I've learned. This is what I know about you as a God. These are all the branches of theology, God. So he comes after his character. And he tries to remind God of who he is. We kind of do that some too, don't we though? We say things like this to people. We say, I can't believe you of all people would let that happen. You see something happen and you know this person's a good person. You go to him and say, I can't believe, Josh, that you of all people would let that happen. Because I know you love Jesus. So we ask those kind of questions. And, 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 and that's, that's what, that's what Baca is doing. Like, God... You of all people, I know you're a good God. In fact, I just listed some of your attributes. How can you, who are a perfect God, allow this to happen? We even do more so as parents with our kids by saying things like this. You know better than that. You're brown. <laughs> you're a Christ follower. Or you have so much more to offer than that, don't you? I mean, is that it? And so Habakkuk is just lamenting, genuine grief and sorrow, looking and saying, God, I don't understand, like, this isn't what I learned about your character in theology 101, so help me understand here, God, and so look what he, look at verse 12, and so he proposes these questions, He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? In other words, the bad guys are winning, and, and you have appointed them to execute judgment, verse 13, your eyes are too pure, to, to look on evil, then why do you tolerate the treacherous? Like, whose side are you on, God? I thought you loved us. Verse 14, you made people like the fish, like the creatures of the sea, and the wicked pulls us out with hooks and nets. And Like, God, we're like fish, and they're just, they're just throwing us out there and bringing us in, and they're putting us on, in the boat, and they're, 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 they have so much of us that they're selling us off, and they're getting luxury choice food because of us. Like, God, that doesn't make sense. And then he says this, he says in verse 16, therefore he even sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet and for by his net he lives in luxury. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Like, they're taking our stuff, God. I don't understand. We're your people of all people. I thought you provided for us and took care of us and I don't understand, God. Like, you're a God of perfect, character and you're looking down and you're allowing this to take place but then he does something he he individually goes after his attributes and I love this response because it's genuine heartfelt questions in fact he says in verse 12 he says Lord aren't you from everlasting like he says aren't you supposed to be sovereignly in control because it sure doesn't look like it here He says, isn't your plan perfect, God? And Habakkuk says that the enemy is four touchdowns up and it's the fourth quarter and somehow it doesn't look like this is going to turn around. Like, if you're sovereignly in control, then, man, we need quite a comeback here in the fourth quarter. And so he needs to remind himself of this truth and he's trying to. Like, God, I know we win in the end, but God... Help me understand, because it doesn't appear like you're in control. You see, it's in these kind of times that we must remember that the Almighty always trumps the mighty. And no matter what comes after us, the Almighty God, the all-powerful God always wins, always wins. But we need an eternal perspective in the midst of it. The score that matters the most is the final score, isn't it? And the final score is we win. And the enemy is defeated not only once but forever. And then he says this, he addresses another attribute, he tries to personalize, and he says, "My God, you are my God. Father, you're my Abba Father. I know you personally." Like, We've talked and I've walked with you through the valley of shadow death and your goodness has been running me down and we've had great conversations in prayer and I met you in the morning reading the Pentateuch and the Torah, first five books, and I know you and like you've spoke to me and whether I turn to my right or my left, my ears have heard a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. Like God, I know you personally and you know the number of hairs on my head. You know me, like you're my daddy. And what kind of dad would do this? I know you love me, God, and want the best for me, and I'm having trouble aligning this with the God that's a good, good father. I mean, haven't you been there? Like, God, I don't understand, but I know that you're a good father, and I don't don't know why this is happening to my kid and my wife, and I don't know why I'm not being received by these people why do I keep getting rejected in the workplace why is it so hard to fit in why am I getting that 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 dream job that I want God I, I'm your son I'm your daughter he personalizes it like I want to be married God and you haven't brought me someone like and I'm doing all the right stuff like don't you want me to be married like every father wants grandkids don't they it's just honest Lamenting to God. You see, in these moments we must place our faith and our peace and our contentment in God, and not the circumstances. You understand that? We must place it in God. I saw it recently at Tony Bennett, who coaches the University of Virginia. Um, Good, good, good coach. Good, good man. Family man. Loves Jesus. And that was quite a win. I felt for Purdue fans. I really did. I I had him in the Final Four. I wanted them to win. And and. But what a game, like at the end, how that game, that, that, that free throw rolled away to the other side of the court. And the guy hustled down, he threw it back, and he makes a shot to tie it. And Carson Edwards had an incredible game. But, but in the midst of that, last year, Virginia lost. They were the number one seed. They lost to a 16Z. Like, how do you respond as a follower of Christ in those situations? And I was curious to see how he would respond. But there was an interview with Tony Bennett, and he understands something about this life and what comes our way. Watch the coach of Virginia's response to the, the dance this year.
1: You certainly feel things, things bother you, but where does peace and perspective come from? And I always tell our guys, um, it's, it's got to be something that is unconditional. And I know I have that in the love of my family. Um, unconditional acceptance and love, that's huge. And I know I have that in my faith in Christ. That's for me where I draw my strength from, my, my peace, my steadiness in the midst of things, um, but of course you feel things. Of course you, you desperately want things to go well, and it's frustrating when you're not, and, and you step back and look at it, but I think I always challenge our guys, what's your secret of contentment? What's your secret of contentment? Because there's going to be times, it talks about you're going to be well-fed and living in plenty, and there's going to be times where you're going to be starving and living in want. Um, what's your secret of handling that? And that I know without a doubt, those of us who have Parents or kids that, that love you, give them unconditionally, or if, if the, your faith is there, that has to buoy you, and that has to be your center, and you dwell on what is good because there is a bigger picture to all this, and I, I believe I understand that. So, you know, going through those refining moments, whew, they're tough, but you look back at them in a way, they're sometimes painful gifts that draw you nearer to what, what truly matters, and I think that's, that would be the best way I could respond to that. Isn't
0: that powerful? Painful gifts that God gives us. We must know where our contentment is. It's in Christ. And so, so Habakkuk is just asking. He says, God, I know you. And I have to trust what I know to be true. But I'm struggling. And then he goes to another attribute. Not only just say, my God, look at, look at verse 12. He says, the Holy One. He says, you're good father. And how can you even look at evil? Like, your eyes are too pure to even look down. And you're allowing this to take place. Help me understand, God. Listen, this is an honest lament. He's looking up and he's saying, God, what up? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. How can you let this go on? And this doesn't seem like some of the pure eyes like you have that it would allow to happen. And then he goes on. He he talks about another character trait of God and his attributes. and, 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 And he says... Read right the end of verse 12, he says, you're my rock. You ordained them to punish. In other words, God, you foreknew, you, re- you wrote, you, you, you put into place before the foundation of the world. You ordained it, you, God, wrote it out. So why would you write this out, God? Like from the foundation of the world, when you looked at Israel and you looked at my life and, and, and you looked personally at my life, how would you write that script out for me to walk through? You foreknew it all. Can't you see that, God, that this doesn't seem good to us? Yet I know the story must end differently, God, because I trust you. (laughs) And even though I don't understand, by faith I believe that the plan that you have put into motion is best for me. You see, that's where we got to land. God, help me understand. And he's looking and God's just saying, oh, What's God's trying? As we look on he says, Now just wait, go wait. Like, how many of you like to wait? Oh, raise your hand. Three of us. Not me. Like, I don't like when God says, wait! No. And Habakkuk is saying they're having fish fries. <laughs> they're filling their nets up and they're taking selfies of the scoreboard all over Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Enough, God. And then he addresses another attribute of his, and, and, and then he says in verse 14, he says, you have made people like the fish in the sea. God, you created everything. You made people. I don't understand that the people that you made, that you are allowing those evil people to do this against your people. God, Why did, did you make us for that? Is that why you made us? You see, the world doesn't understand. In fact, when we see these kind of moments, the world says, don't just stand there. Will they say? Do what? Something. And God is saying, don't just do something. Stand there. I don't like that. You see, we must live by what you know to be true and by, not by what you see. Okay? Habakkuk hears it, and look at his response. Look at his response. Chapter 2 and verse 1, what's he say? He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. I love the posture here of Habakkuk. Even though I don't like to station myself and wait, For an answer, it's the hardest part of the Christian walk. But God says, get to a quiet place. Turn off a technology. I always say it this way. Get high, get away, get quiet, get alone. That's when we hear from God. You know how else you hear from God? God's already spoken. His written word, 66 books, there it is. People ask me, how can I hear from God? How do I know what God wants? I say, he's already spoken. Here it is. Read it. Spend time here. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, and in addition to that, whether you turn to your right or left, we have the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you, this is the way, walk in it. When you're spending time away alone, you're not distracted by technology, you're distracted by craziness. When you pause and hit the pause button, guess what? We can hear from God. God, I know you can and will answer perfectly, Habakkuk says. And by the way, God, I know that it ends happily ever after. I I I know, I know. I've read Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 19 through 21 about this white horse that Jesus is on. And i read the part where we're coming behind him and, and on, his, on his leg and on his, on his robe is the name Jesus Christ and all nations are wiped out. And I, I, I see in Revelation 19 and 20 where the enemy is thrown into the pit of fire with, with, the, with the, the beast and the false prophet and he burns forever and ever. I know it ends happily ever after, but right now when I'm in the middle of it, it's hard. Isn't it? See, we need that internal perspective, that's what keeps us going. The middle is bearable because we know that's not the end of the story. You see, God has written the script and has already written the final chapter of our lives. And the final chapter of our lives says, Hear, hear me out, we win. Did you hear me? We win. Did you hear me? We win. We win. You see, what happens is this, we put so much effort and time and energy and thoughts into this part of eternity that we forget that this is just a vapor that appears for a while and then it's gone. But while we're here, listen, it's important that we, we live well and that we trust in Jesus Christ and, and we tell others, that's why we're here. But we know that we'll spend eternity forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever with God in heaven. All through the Bible, we're reminded to be still and wait on the Lord. To be strong and to be courageous. To do not fear. To not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Why? Because God knows when those things come, we need to be reminded, don't fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in Jesus. Trust in God. I'll never forget when we went into Iraq, and, 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 and most of you know that story, but as a church, we felt called to go to Iraq and, and, and to help these Christians. Our brothers and sisters that were pushed out by ISIS, we saw the stories where many of them were dying, they lost their homes, they were pushed out, Just they, the, 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 the ISIS came in, pushed them out, took everything, much like this. And they were pushed out, and, and they all ran to Erbil and fled to refugee camps, and we wanted to do something. So, so we jumped in, and we hooked up with Pastor Malath. And I'll never forget a conversation. I was actually... Apologizing and grieving. I said, "Maloth, I am so sorry. I said, you know, when I read First John 3, 16 and 17, that if we have something that we're able to help someone with and we don't help them, then how can the love of God be in us? I said, it disturbs me what happened to your people. I said, I wept at my computer. And I said, it was hard for me to watch. I knew we needed to do something. And, and he looked at me and he says, Jim, listen, this was good for us. And I backed up. Listen, Jim, he said, our country was running from God. He said, what happened because of this? He said, people are running to God. And he said, we are being persecuted. But let me tell you, persecution draws people to God. He said, Jim, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But I've never seen this many people in churches. I've never seen this many people wanting God again. I've never seen this many people getting saved. He says, what is happening in our country is good. That's eternal perspective. You see, faith is not knowing how it will work out, but knowing the one who does work it out. Amen? Habakkuk is wondering why they aren't getting justice when God is a God of justice. You see, our faith must surface, hear me out, or we will fret and worry. And fret, hear me out, is sin. Worry is sin. There's a difference between lamenting and worrying. It's an honest conversation that, God, I just need help here. Help me through this, God. I'm grieving. I'm hurting. This is difficult. My family is weeping. Help me, God. Help me understand. Help me understand. Just because justice hasn't prevailed just yet doesn't mean that it won't ultimately prevail. You see, isn't that what the author of Hebrews said? He said, every one of us will give account one day, saved and unsaved. Those who know Christ will stand at the behemothos, the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll be judged not for the things we've done wrong, but for the things we've done for him. But there's also another judgment seat that takes place. It's called the great white throne judgment. And it's at that seat where those who don't know Christ are judged. You know what they're judged for? All the sin they've done. And, and it's in that moment he says, depart from me. I never knew you. So we all held account for our sins. Romans, or Hebrews 9, 27, it says, man is destined to die once and face judgment. Listen, not twice, there's no second chances. God is daily keeping an account of what is taking place. And he's a perfect accountant. Romans 14, 12 says that, that, that we all give an account of ourselves. He is keeping track. God is just stacking the wood to a fire he hasn't lit. But listen, he will one day. He's a perfect judge. So here's the picture, if you want to give a, a visual. It's kind of like this. Those evil things that are happening. God says, listen, I know what's happening. Listen, I'm keeping track. And I'm just stacking the wood. I'm throwing the kindling in the fire. Listen, and listen, I, I, I'm keeping track of a fire that I haven't lit yet. And I'm just, I'm building, I'm building the base. And li- listen to me. You might not see it now, but hear me out. Listen, this is what God's saying. Listen, I'm keeping track. I'm stacking the wood to a a fire that hasn't been lit yet. But you know what the good news is? He says, but one day it's going to be. He says, one day, guess what's going to happen? One day it's going to happen, huh? That's the picture. Amen? And I love fire, amen? Because our God, hear me out, is a consuming what? And he is keeping track. And one day, he said, I'm stacking kindling to a fire that hasn't been yet. You might not see justice prevail, but listen, one day it will prevail in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. God is predestined. Faith doesn't mean everything will be okay, but that you ultimately will be okay. And tell you, I'm telling you, sometimes it is hard. Listen, some days are hard. And hear me out, it's okay not to be okay. <laughs> but when we fully understand the character of our God and we fully understand this, this, this loaded word called predestined. God predestines. Let me explain that word short and sweet. Here's the cliff notes. He fixes the ending. Amen? He predestined. He fixes the ending of this mess. He fixes the ending of this strife. He fixes the ending of it seems like that Satan having a heyday. He fixes the ending once for all and justice will prevail if not in our lifetime and not in our kids' lifetime But at the second coming of Christ, justice prevails. You see, faith is trusting what God says in his word while waiting for what he does. We're not good at waiting. I'll answer for myself. I'm not good at waiting. I'm learning. At 57, I'm learning. God is teaching me a lot of things. And that's one thing I'm trying to do a better job at. Just to wait on the Lord. You see, we don't place our faith in what will happen, but in the God that will make it happen. (laughs) We have to be careful with that one. I mean, Jim, Jim, talk to yourself, and I have talked to myself. You see, sometimes we'll say this. We'll say, I believe that God, I have enough faith to believe that God can do that thing. I have enough faith to believe that God can come through. I have enough faith faith that that we'll get that. I have enough faith that we'll own that. I have enough faith that I'll I'll be there. i have enough faith that I'll end up there. Listen, if if you're placing faith in the thing and not faith in God, then you get got your faith all messed up. We have to place our faith in the God that can do those things, not in the thing to happen. You understand? It's placing your faith in God. Always remember this too. God is not a pay-on-demand God. Or a watch-on-demand guy, You see, we live in this world, it's a Netflix world, isn't it? Like, it used to be when I was a kid, you watched what the TV stations had available at that time. Like, you didn't have a choice. You didn't say, well, I'm going to get on Netflix, and I'm gonna, or I'm going to get on TiVo, and I'm going re- to record this, and I'm going to watch this at like 11.38 tonight when the kids are in bed. And, and we put in our, our username and our password, and we watch on demand. Or we... Pay on, Or I'm not going to go shopping tomorrow. I'm not going to drive to the department store. I'm not, I'm not going to wait till Friday night to go shopping. I'm going to sit at my computer and I'm going to shop on demand. Isn't that what we do? Everything is shop on demand, watch on demand, buy on demand. And we want to treat God like he's a Netflix God. Like, God, I demand you do it now. But I got good news. God's like a TV guide. God, let me explain. You remember TV guides? A whole generation just said, what the world was that? (laughs) When I was a kid, we would get these things called TV guides. You remember those? They were cool. And they would be delivered once a week, and they would come where your newspaper came. And you'd go out, and you would would open it up, and it would tell you what was going to be played that week. You remember those? In case you don't remember, here's what they look like. Take take a look at this. Remember those? Some of you don't have a clue who that is either. Some of us do, though, don't we? But the TV guy, what was the TV guy? What was the TV guy? You you looked out and said, and know what you did? If you wanted to watch TV, you would plot out your week based upon the script that was already planned out. Huh? And that's when you, you could only watch it during that time. And from the foundation of the world, God's written a plan. <laughs> and he says, it's going to happen here. But we're saying, God, I want it over here. Nope, it's going to happen here. But God, I want to pay on demand. I want to watch on demand. I want to see on demand. I want an answer on demand. I want, the, I demand. <laughs> well, let me check when I wrote it. It'll happen. It'll happen over here. Those that wait upon the Lord, their strength shall be what? Renewed. And Habakkuk is crying out to God. So what's he telling? What's he telling? Look, look chapter 2, what's he telling me to do? He says, okay. He says, Habakkuk says, I'll station myself. And God says, all right, here's the answer. I heard you. Verse 2, the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, Habakkuk, so that a herald may roam. I get this picture. Get a scribe. Chisel it out. Write this down. Here, here, Here's the answer. And so he tells him to write it down, and, and then he says in verse 3, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. It will not lie what I'm telling you. This is going to happen. Though it linger, he says, do what with it? What's he telling? Wait for it. No, God, I don't want to wait. I demand now. I know the password. This is my username. And then God says, it will certainly come and will not delay. Perfect timing. And then he says on verse 4, see the enemy? God says, he's puffed up. (laughs) His desires are not upright. But then he said, Habakkuk, but you and God's people, the righteous person, will live by his faithfulness. King James, the just shall live by faith. The the righteous shall live by faith. Verse 5. And then he says, indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he's as greedy as the grave. And like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captives, all the peoples. You see, God may seem slow in coming. Hear me out, Grace. I talk to myself. I I listen to God's word. God may seem slow in coming, but it will eventually come, his perfect will. Hear me? It'll come. He holds all nations and all peoples accountable. Aren't you glad though? He's a perfect judge. He's not Judge Judy, he's he's perfect. And you might not like the story right now, but listen to me. You will love the ending (laughs) because God is perfect in what he does. But he gives this reminder to Habakkuk and to us. The righteous will live by faith and faithfulness. The only way out of this trial that you're in. Hear me out, Grace. I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to you. The only way out of this trial you are in is faith in God. Don't wave the white flag. Things will not get better on earth. But they will in heaven. (laughs) Your kingdom come, God. And it's coming and it won't be stopped. (laughs) All this sin, all this death, all this sexual morality, all this brokenness, all this pain, all this gossip, all this slander, all this depression, all this murder, all this injustice, all this weeping, all this nonsense will be gone. Our hope is in Christ. Bank on it. See, he answers and says, there will be a day when you will rejoice. So sing until then and trust until then. And by the way, he says... Those enemies, the, the opposing team, they're going to be taunted. It's one of my favorite parts about this. I mean, look, look what it says in verse 6. Look, 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 look what God says to Abaca. Will not all of them do what to them? What's the word? Taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying woe to him. It's this picture like, like that, that one day tell the darkness and the demonic forces that you will win, not them. I, I'm a sports fan, I, lo- I love watching sports, I enjoy it, it's, it's, it's fun, it's, it's fun for me to watch teams compete, And you know, uh, when you know what really matters in life, hear me out, and that's Jesus Christ, what really matters, you can enjoy the things that don't seem to matter, like, I can enjoy sports, they really don't seem to matter <laughs> in the big picture, but I love this picture. Like you can taunt them. There's this picture that at some point the enemy will be torched. And you'd be saying. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 nah. Hey, Na, 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 na. Na, 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 hey. That's the picture. I, 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 I love basketball. I enjoy watching basketball. It's good to see Luke. Stevens here today. Play, played IWU this year. Good to have you back for spring break. And your girlfriend, Olivia, I think. Good to see her today, too. But anyhow, it's just, it's fun. Basketball. I'm one of those guys, when I would watch as a fan, I was the pastor, so I had to be careful when I watch games. And so I would sit beside Ron Scott, and he would be saying the things that I was thinking. So it, it was just. <laughs> But inside, I was honest moment, huh? (laughs) But I I love it, sports games, when someone fouls out, basketball games, I have to admit, I enjoy that. Shows a little bit sad side of me. Like, when the opposing team, when he fouls out, and the fans will say, when they walk to the bench, left, right, left, right. When they're walking to the bench, left, right. And then when you see the player, when he's caught, that they're doing that, and he doesn't want them to do it, so he starts going and they're (laughs) like, and he sits down and they cheer. (laughs) There will be a day that the forced to sit down and he will get what he wants and we will cheer amen that's the picture that's the picture that's here so he gives five woes he says here they are look at them quickly he says this is what's going to happen he keeps it simple i mean he just comes right after all right Habakkuk. he says in verse six woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion how long must this go on Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? But you will become their prey because you have plundered many nations. The people who are left will plunder you. (laughs) You have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. In other words, all extortion will end. You might have what you have right now, and you might enjoy it. But listen to me; it's only on layaway for Christians. And one day we get our inheritance back, and everything that you think you have on earth, we got it in heaven. Na 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 nah. hey, hey, hey! Goodbye. I enjoy taunting. I'm sorry. <laughs> Especially the enemy. Then he says this. Look at the next woe. He says in verse 9, Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the, crutch, the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Security and possessions will be gone. Their finances will no longer be secure. Now here's, let me give you let me history. This is cool. Babylonian Babylonians during this time. They had built fortresses after taking this this time, God's people. And and they had some of the highest fortresses, 100 feet high, history tells us. And they were 40 miles around the city. Like, they were secure, high. Like, no one could get to them. Yet in Daniel chapter 5, many years later, God's prophetic word comes forth. The king of Babylon during that time was Belshazzar. And he turned his country and his people, and they had this drunken orgy. that just listen. This is what happens. And some of you might remember this story from study, but in Daniel chapter 5, just many years later, it says in Daniel 5, you don't need to turn there in verse 5, it says, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and rode on the plaster wall. So just picture this hand. King Belshazzar is the king of Babylon. They're destroying Israel. and They think they're in control. And, and this hand appears in this room, and he's like, whoa, what's that? And it says this in Daniel, near the lampstand in the royal palace, the king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. And guess what happened? It says that he died that evening. <laughs> na, 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 na. Hey, 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 goodbye. God's word came through. Another woe. Look at, look at the next woe. He's not finished. And he says in, in, in verse 15, and, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it out with the wineskins so till they are drunk, so that they can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around you. in disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trust in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Irresponsible leaders will be cut down. Drunkenness, sexual morality, adultery, sexual affairs are gone. What happens in Vegas, listen to me, it won't stay there. It gets exposed by our God and finally purity lives again and Christ rules. And his last woe, it's a strong one, in verse 19. This is his answer. He's answering. Look at at 19. He says, woe to him who says to wood, come to life. In other words, idol, Wake up and talk. Or to useless stone. Wake up. Can it give guidance, God says? It is covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. And then he says in verse 20, the Lord is in his holy what? Temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. As a kid, I memorized that. I was probably six or seven or eight in Bible school. I had no idea what it meant, but I got a free sucker for memorizing it. So the Lord, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. I used to think it was a call to worship. It's not a call to worship, it's a call to judgment. Here's, what's, here's, what, here's what God is saying. Listen, he says, be silent. You know that? And in, in the original has this word of hush be quiet. Shh. Because God is speaking. And when God speaks, all sin is exposed. There's this picture of judgment that's taking place. And all the earth is silent before him. Why? Because they know they're going to be judged next. And everyone is thinking, "Uh uh-oh, what did I do? As a kid, in my home, when one of my siblings got in trouble for something and was getting disciplined, The rest of us ran to our rooms and straightened them up. We did. Why? Because we know we were next in line. (laughs) And that's the picture. We didn't run up and yell. We quietly went upstairs. The picture is this. Hear me out, Grace. Hear me out. It's a beautiful picture of prophecy here. We need an eternal perspective, and we need to believe in the fundamentals of our faith. God is not done yet, so live by faith. Listen to me. We might not be winning, and you might not feel like you're winning now, but we will win in the end. And the righteous and the just shall live by faith see, it's in these seasons. Listen, I'm there with you. I've lamented to God numerous times, multiple times. Spent time this week with a situation lamenting to God and just all alone with God. And he answered. It's in the seasons that we don't understand we must believe in the fundamentals of our faith. Did, Did you hear me? We must believe the truths that we've learned in theology classes and in God's word and in our own personal study. We must believe them because if you don't believe him then every circumstance that comes your way will rock your world unless you're leaning on the rock of the world. <laughs> Amen. We believe. God help us today. Some of us are in the middle of it, some of us have come through it, some of us we facing it. God give us an eternal perspective. Help us to believe what we know to be true about your character. Help us to believe And know to be true about the branches of doctrine. Help us to believe and know to be true the word of God. Help us to believe even when we don't understand. Because God, you will make things right at the second coming. If not in our lifetime, it will happen one day. In Jesus' name, amen.